0: You're listening to episode 52 of the Becoming Aligned podcast. Welcome to Becoming Aligned, where we'll step away from the busyness of our days to explore what it looks and feels like to create meaningful lives that align with our personal values. My guests have found their own unique way to navigate through the distractions, the pressures, and the expectations of everyday life. And in the process, they've discovered the freedom to be truly themselves, to tune into their own heart, and to honor their own unique voice. I'll explore what motivates them, what challenges them, and what strategies help them work towards their goal in a way that nourishes their mind and body. I believe everyone has a story to share, and that we become a stronger community when we're able to listen and learn from those around us. I'm your host, Maureen Ryan, the founder of Ryan Wellness, I'm a Chicago-based self-discovery mentor and Pilates instructor. I hope these conversations will serve as inspiration and as a reminder that it's not about perfection, but the process of becoming aligned. In this episode, I talked to Nitika Chopra. She is the founder of Chronicon, which is dedicated to elevating the lives of those living with a chronic illness. Nitika has created this amazing community that is able to support people as they navigate their chronic illness journey. She's been able to share this with the world because of her own personal experience. So in this conversation, we talk about her own personal journey and how that helped to shape Chronicon and allowed it to be a space that is real, loving, and just incredibly supportive for people who may feel very alone because they may not know other people in their regular day-to-day lives who are experiencing what they are experiencing i hope you enjoy our conversation hi Nitika! thank you so much for joining me on the becoming aligned podcast i'm just so happy to have you here and i'm really looking forward to our conversation today
1: hi i'm so happy to be here with you it's gonna be awesome yay thanks for
0: having me yeah of course well i wanted to have you on for a few reasons um i am just so impressed with the work that you're doing and the, and the ways that you're showing up for your community. There's just so much love, compassion, and empathy that shines through. And I think that's so needed in today's world, um, especially when it comes to the ways we care for ourselves and each other. Um, and you work with the chronic illness community, and you're someone who has more than one chronic illness yourself. And from my perspective, Nitika, and, and correct me, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong, I feel as if that's as if that's given you even more empathy and a a deeper understanding of what care really looks and feels like. And I personally think there is so much that we can learn from the chronic illness community if we choose to pay attention um, in terms of how we think about caring for ourselves and supporting our health, you know, individually and collectively. And I imagine that you have learned and are continuing to learn so much through your own experience and through your relationships with others in your community. So that's something I'd love to explore and learn more about, like, throughout our conversation. So I hope you're open to diving into some of those things.
1: Of course, yeah.
0: Yay. Okay. Well, Nitika, before we dive into any of those topics, can you please start us off by by telling everyone a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I, I mean, there's so much, I'm 40 now, so there's, <laughs> there's a long list of things I can share. Um, But yeah, I, as you mentioned, um, was diagnosed with a chronic condition when I was younger. Um, And uh, when I was 10 years old, I got psoriasis. And so as you mentioned, I have two chronic illnesses. And I got my second one when I was 19, which was psoriatic arthritis. And those two conditions really just shaped so much about my life and the way I look at my relationships with others, my relationships mm. with myself, and um, it definitely fueled, you know, the desire to want to do the work that I do.
0: I would love for you to give me a brief, like, overview of the of the work that you're doing now. Sure, yeah. So I
1: started um, my career when I was about 28, and it was with the desire to have my own talk show. Mm. And to put, like, you know, content out there. This is before there were bloggers, but I hadn't really met, like, a lot of bloggers or, you know, people doing content creation, especially not in the way that it's happening now. Yeah. And so I just have this desire to do that, and I love creating content, and I wanted to try to create content that was supportive and uplifting, and I didn't really focus on chronic illness. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time, I had my story, you know, on my about page. So people could learn that that was a part of my story, but it was never at the forefront of what I would share. Mm -hmm. Cause I kind of, I didn't want to make it. Um, I didn't want it to be gratuitous. I didn't want pity. I didn't want it to be, you know, everything that I was sort of looked at Mm -hmm. as being was like, you know, quote unquote, just a sick person. Mm Um, And so I really just shied away from talking about it for a while. And then, um, yeah, I launched my online magazine called Bella Life and we put out content um, every day that was like around uh, positivity and self-love and wellness. And then I, about three years later, ended up getting my own talk show on global television. So I did that for a little while and did a bunch of stuff in the beauty space. And um, yeah, in 2019, after doing a bunch of different stuff like that for about eight years, I decided to launch Chronicon. And yeah. um, that's what my main focus is now. And we launched with a in-person event in New York City. And it was incredible mm. and, you know, just so fulfilling and, and turned out to be really successful. And then pivoted to an online experience through the pandemic. So yeah. it's been, yeah, it's definitely my life's work. So, yeah.
0: No, that's amazing. And did you ever imagine yourself doing this online or was it always kind of something that you envisioned would be kind of those in-person events? Because I know you had your first one and it seemed like it went really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, 2020 hit us all. Um, and mm-hmm. like, did you, I mean, no one could foresee that, but did you, did you ever imagine this would be an online community the way it's shaped up to be?
1: You know, I, I did, but not in the way, I don't think, mm. or not in the timing that, um, you know, it's turned out to be. I think I I had thought that I would have something as an online component eventually, um, for sure, because when we did Chronicon, the event, we had over 2,000 people live streaming wow. that day, and we had lots of people watch our content on our YouTube channel, which is like the content from the live event. And, you know, I just had a, a sense that doing something online was important with this community yeah. because there are lots of people that even before the pandemic you know, somebody who has cystic fibrosis, for example, or has certain disabilities, like traveling is not, mm-hmm. um, you know, an option for them or maybe they don't have the financial means because of their health yeah. um, to travel or, you know, all of those different nuances. So I knew that offering something online was super important, but I just didn't know what it was going to be. And I kind of, you know, poured all of my energy and personal I guess, energy resource um, into doing the in-person event and having that be as good as it could be. So I never really had any energy left to do anything, like to build something else yeah. on top of it. Um, I think people don't always realize that it's like just me doing everything. I yeah. think people often think that it's like there's a team or a huge company, but it there isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't really have, um, you know, I, I, we all have the energy that we have. So Mm -hmm. when I was doing the in-person events, I was like, I can't, I can't do another thing. Like I can't build another thing. And so as hard as COVID was, and obviously there's been so much trauma and devastation, I always try to look at like, well, what was, what was the positive thing that came from this? And I do think kind of being, you know, pushed a little bit in the direction of like okay well what are you going to do if you can't meet in person Mm -hmm. um, has actually been such a blessing because I love the community that we've created and the work has been incredibly fulfilling in like a way that is just even it's so different than even the live event like the live event is so incredible and fulfilling too but Seeing people every week, yeah. like multiple times a week and seeing, you know, being a part of their everyday life mm. is just something I never, I never even knew how much it would mean to me to do that. So, yeah. So it, it was earlier than expected, but a good surprise, I guess.
0: Yeah. No, that's really beautiful. I love how you were talking about like being able to see someone like, you know, a couple times a week or every week and just... I don't know, that kind of builds this different type of bond and a different type of trust um, amongst the people there. So I think that's really beautiful. And I I definitely want to come back and talk more about Chronicon, but I would love to take it back to younger Nitika. Um, you know, what were you like growing up? Like, what were the things that you would get lost and absor- absorbed into and that you just enjoyed doing?
1: I mean, honestly, the first thing that comes up is, like, I just like to talk a lot. Like, I remember... <laughs>
0: I just remember
1: being like a very talkative, funky kid. I had a lot of um, personality and um, yeah, I was always just like laughing. I mean, even to this day, I feel like the people that really are really close to me, Mm. like get to see that, like, I just laugh all the time. I love laughing. I love making jokes. Um, in my work, I feel like I have to be more polished and serious, but in my personal life, I'm definitely just always cracking jokes. Um, and so I just kind of envision that part of myself, you know, being that way, um, more and more as a kid. And I've also always loved singing. Um, Mm. so I started singing when I was like 13 and, um, yeah, and I've been singing pretty much my whole life. I don't really sing by myself publicly anymore, but I sing in the Resistance Revival Chorus. So oh, yeah. um, I haven't performed with them in a while because of COVID. But, um, but yeah, we just released an album last fall. And yeah, and so I, I love singing. It was like my my happy place for sure.
0: Yes, and the Resistance Revival Chorus is such a cool space. I will definitely link to that in the sh- in the show notes because yeah, it just brings like such positivity. Can you tell everyone a little bit about it as long as we as long as we mentioned it?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. Um so the Resistance Revival Chorus was founded by a group of women who actually were some of the founders of the Women's March mm. um that obviously happened in January of 2017. Um, and we were created by like June of that year. They sort of came together and were so overwhelmingly exhausted and they had just been like fighting on the front lines of every single issue you can imagine and just feeling like this, you know, resistance is so exhausting and yet it's so important. Mm -hmm. Like how do we keep fighting? And, um, basically realized that, you know, through talking to different activists and leaders and especially Mr. Harry Belafonte was someone Mm -hmm. who was really, um, you know, instrumental in inspiring the women to start this group, they, you know, they really honored the sentiment by Toy Delicat that says, like, joy is an act of resistance Mm -hmm. and really just, tried to embody joy being an act of resistance and um mm-hmm. yeah and so they started this chorus and sent out an email to their friends and I I joined by like the second reversal so I've been in the chorus ever since and um yeah it's like one of the most magical group of it's about 60 um you know people who identify as women mm-hmm. and it's really it's really incredible
0: Oh, I love that. And I love hearing like Mm -hmm. what people enjoy doing when they're growing up or, because I think I'm always just curious how, you know, what kind of lit us up as a young person or, you know, how we played and things like that, you know, how that might have impacted our journey and hearing that you talked a lot, like you are just doing the right work in terms of being able to create opportunity (laughs) for conversations and, um, and just being so comfortable in that space and talking and sharing stories, and I I, I love that. Um, yeah. So thanks for sharing that. So Nitika, when you were you were, you were so young when you were um, when you were first diagnosed with your chronic illness, like you said, you were ten years old. Um, for mm-hmm. so, for someone who might not know much about psoriasis um, or what it is and how it can affect people's lives, can you share a little bit about your experience?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so psoriasis is a autoimmune disease, and um, it is a skin condition. And when I got it, basically, it sh- there's a few different types of psoriasis, but the type that I got was creating thick, scaly patches of skin on my skin. And um, it itches like chicken pox, and if you scratch oh. it, it flakes and it bleeds. And a lot of people have it. I mean, millions and millions of people have it around the world, Um, but they have it in different ways. Some people, you know, have it in their scalp, but they don't have it on the rest of their body. Mm. Some people have it on their elbows or, you know, on their hands, but they don't have it on the rest of their body or, you know, there's different types of ways that it shows up for people. But for me, I ended up getting it Uh, covering about 98% of my body for like 17 years of my life. So it was really, um, it was really overwhelming physically and um, emotionally for sure. And um, then when I was 19, so about 10 years, almost 10 years into that diagnosis, about nine years into diagnosis, I um, ended up getting psoriatic arthritis. And so that's I—I mean, this is not a scientific way to describe (laughs) it, but I kind of look at psoriasis as like inflammation of the skin, and psoriatic arthritis is inflammation of your joints, and Mm -hmm. it's just like connected. And it's a totally different experience uh, of arthritis than other types. But my bones started to deform, and Mm. I started to become, you know, immobile for like six years. I couldn't really Mm. walk without severe pain. So there was a you know, good 17 years of my life until my mid-20s, mid-almost late-20s, that um, I was was really, my life was completely
0: consumed by my health. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that must have been, like, just so hard on picturing you, like, you know, a young person, you know, trying to navigate all of this. Mm -hmm. Like, were you able to find Mm -hmm. um, treatments or medications that worked for you, or did... It sounds like your condition progressively got worse, and I'm just—I don't know if I'm curious if doctors or the medical community were able to help you very much at that time. Yeah, not
1: really. Yeah. Honestly,
0: um,
1: you know, it was—it was such an aggressive. I mean, I eventually found stuff, but that was like more, you know, in my twenties. Um, yeah. But for most of my condition, um, it was just a very overwhelming experience, and I, it was so, I think it was medically overwhelming for the doctors, too, mm-hmm. honestly, because yeah. um, I had such a severe case, like, I remember, even if they did prescribe, like, a topical thing for me to do, you know, I had it covered 98% of my body, so a yeah. lot of those medications were only approved for, like, one tube or something like that, yeah. and it wouldn't be enough for me, and so, It was just, there's lots of complications to that. And then also they didn't have the medications that they have now Mm -hmm. um, when I was growing up. So there weren't really a lot of options. And in addition to that, you know, being Indian, my mom, like my parents aren't super aggressive with everything has to be natural, but like they definitely skew more in that direction where they try to find you know, if they can mm-hmm. do something that's more natural. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my mom, which I'm grateful for, like she never wanted me to do any steroid treatment, which is what every doctor wanted me to do. Cause that's just like where they go. So yeah. I never did any steroid treatment, which I'm really grateful for. Um, Cause that can have really complicated yeah. um, side effects. And, you know, and so she just, we just tried a lot of different things for a really long time um, but yeah, nothing really helped Until I was about like 25, 26
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm just Putting myself in, in those shoes or trying to And just being like Yeah, how would that feel for somebody And like just trying different things And being like it doesn't work And like mm-hmm. you know, how, would, how did that feel like mentally and emotionally Like from, you know, 10 to 19 And even after 19 yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, how did that feel for you?
1: I mean It was awful yeah it was awful um yeah it was really devastating and I mean I think it's what fuels you know the work Mm. that I do every day because I'm just like I know that um having a chronic condition can be the most devastating debilitating emotionally exhausting and just yeah like soul crushing thing yeah you know, and I I think that what people don't get about our experience, um, those living with chronic conditions, they don't get that like it's chronic, so it's it's relentless yeah. often, you know, and it, there isn't like an escape from it, and um, you know, it's not it's not something that um, yeah, there's no roadmap, there's no right. like. Oh, if I go this way, then that'll happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's it's all encompassing. Um, so yeah, as a ten-year-old, as a fifteen-year-old, as a twenty-year-old, yeah. like it was very disorienting in and pretty significant ways for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I do think, you know, it, it can be difficult for people to wrap their head around if they've if they've never been in that experience. You know, and like I know one of my best mm-hmm. friends um was diagnosed with like rheumatoid arthritis when we were you know maybe mid to late 20s and we're you know later ends of 40s now and
1: mm-hmm. she
0: was it was so it was such a difficult journey for her just to figure out what was going on with her body you know um she had to be so persistent and do her very best to navigate this you know medical like the health system and everything and first it was carpal tunnel syndrome and then it was something else and then it was something else and Gosh, I remember just Mm -hmm. thinking, looking at her then and being like, I I don't know if I would know what to do and like what steps to take next. And, you know, it took her a while to find a doctor and someone that matched well with her and was able to kind of help her. And I just imagine that, you know, like you probably see that or is that something you see with other people in your community, that challenge? And um, what are some ways to help that have been helpful in terms of the support for you and for others when people are going through that experience? I mean, I think, yes. I mean, to answer your first question,
1: yes. I I have seen that. Um, I've experienced it myself, obviously, but I've also, you know, seen that with, um, with other people. I see that all the time. And I think that was kind of a a breaking point for me with uh, wanting to do, the work that I'm doing with Chronicon because I always thought I was the only one mm. that was going through this stuff yeah. and I think our society is set up to make us feel that way yeah. and you know, the isolation is just perpetuated constantly. Um so I think that, you know, yes, I have I have seen that, but it took a while for me to even Start to see that you know it was really after I decided to do this work that I was like oh okay there are more of us Uh out there um because it had been like a very isolating experience up until then
0: um
1: and then you know I think that um in terms of what I've seen work I I mean it's really different for each Mm -hmm. person like you know I, I think that's part of the journey and that's that's a lot of of what we do, I think in the community too, it's just like, we're going to give you all the resources, but yeah, you have to really figure out, like, do you need a laugh today? Do you need mm-hmm. a best friend? Do you need a parent? Do you need a doctor? Like what do you need today to get yeah. you to the other side of this hard moment? And um, I think that, you know, no one else can tell you yeah. that, you know, that's something you really have to, take the time to create that intimacy within yourself in order to know what those answers are. Mm. Um, So, yeah. So I think it's a combination of things, but getting to know yourself first is I think the most important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And Nitika, I know you just said like there's no right answer for anyone. So I don't want, I asked you this question knowing that it's not like a blueprint or anything for someone else, but um, what helped you get to the other side? And I, and are you still kind of working on that? What does that look like for you right now?
1: I mean, it was also a combination for me for sure, but I think, I mean, if I'm being totally honest, the, the biggest thing that's always helped me get to the other side of heartache and Mm. devastation in my life is, is God. Mm. Like that's I mean, and it's not a religious thing for me. I didn't grow up in a religious home. I was born a Hindu, um, but, you know, we're more cultural than we are religious by any means. And at the same time, I've always been very spiritual. I've always felt a very strong and very clear connection to God. I felt that since I was really little and, um, I was kind of alone in that most of my life. My parents did not understand my Mm. feelings towards God or why I would be so obsessed with God as a kid, but I really felt it. I felt like when the whole world went dark and felt Mm. like there was nothing that made sense, um, it just, yeah, I just had to believe in something greater than all of us and that's what Um, having a belief in a higher power did for me. And it still does. Yeah. Um, On days when I'm not feeling good or I'm just feeling really down or, you know, I mean, these days, chronic illness or
0: not, there's just so much going on. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. 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 No, thank you. Um, And you mentioned the inner work earlier, like, and, and like everyone kind of figuring out what, what works for them and um, mm-hmm. what did that look like for you, that inner work aspect?
1: Um, I mean, I didn't really know about inner work until I was like 20. <laughs>
0: right. Um,
1: yeah, which is still kind of early. Yeah. Not anymore, but at the time yeah. it was kind of early. Um, but, yeah, I didn't really know about it until I was kind of 20 years old. And 1920, and it was around the time that I got arthritis, actually. So yeah, I guess okay. it was 19. And um, I was dating, I was dating someone at the time who had done this thing called the Landmark Forum, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's I have, like this—it's yep. like this transformational program. Yeah. You know, to each his own. I, right. I don't really resonate with it at all yeah. anymore, but I do see the value in, um, in, you know. Just getting your feet wet uh mm-hmm. in transformational programming and like that from that perspective I think it was great you know I had never encountered life coaching or you know yeah. self-help or any of that before um going to the Lambert forum so I think it was great in that way yeah um so I I started there when I was 19 and then kind of just went on a path from there. Um, It led me to do other courses in that company. And then I ended up um, actually training to be a life coach Uh and, you know, and then did like group coaching with people and, you know, just it kind of that particular course kind of got me started in my, my personal inner development Work that I now take very seriously and I do you know all day every day I feel like it's a huge cornerstone to my life but I had never done that before yeah uh I was 19 you know i would never done that before then so but that was kind of like the starting point to um to me getting my feet wet and then just when you train to be a life coach, and when you do all these things, mm-hmm. you have to sort of go through your own yeah. transformation and your own work at the same time. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was sort of how it went for me.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's like um, when you're when you're training to be a coach of any sort, you've got to like learn that within your body and practice the things within yourself as well. And so, yeah, I've heard of mm-hmm. Landmark. I know, yeah, distantly aware of it, but. I, I love that, how you explained that too, even just in terms of like, whatever that thing is that kind of gets you on a path <laughs> and being able to appreciate it, even if it's not something you're into anymore. I thought that was interesting how you shared that. Um, because just, yeah, that creating that relationship within ourselves. And I remember when I was younger, I, oh gosh, I read books, but I was totally, I, I would have had no idea as well. So it's a journey that we all go on in mm-hmm. our own ways. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And Netika, you were talking earlier um like that you were in, you know, pretty severe pain for like 17 years of your life. And I just, Mm -hmm. I wonder like how that impacted your experience, like with school and work and, and your relationships and how you connected with others. Could you give us a little, um, idea of what that might have looked and looked like for you back then?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, it was, it was really hard, Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't, I guess, like, what I would say about it is um, now looking back on it, I can talk about it in a more packaged way and say, like, oh, this is what that meant. But, you know, at the time, it was incredibly messy and intense and, um, you know, heightened. Everything was so heightened because I wasn't so much physical which led to so much emotional pain um you know it was just really I was I was a very unbalanced uh, emotional person in terms of just wanting a lot of love wanting yeah. a lot of attention wanting a lot of support not wanting to be in my body so many different things I was wrestling with and so when it came to relationships now, when I look back, I feel like it's a, it has a lot to do with do with why you know I struggled with codependency throughout mm. my life and just really felt like I was trying to fill a hole,
0: mm. you know. And
1: I think now people with chronic con like they say, you know, they get so much out of it or there's so much emotional support yes. or it feels so safe and stable and all of that stuff. And I just want to be like, that was like 20 years of therapy to get, <laughs> to get me to that place. Yes. Um, and it's, you know, it's infused in, um, in the whole, in all that I do with the work that I do. But it's because I've taken my personal development, you know, I think it's because I've taken it so seriously and really tried to be very clear and mindful about boundaries, mm-hmm. about setting intentions, about being a clear communicator, about, mm-hmm. you know, the way I want people to feel, and, you know, taking responsibility for my feelings versus someone else's feelings. And, you know, just those small things that yeah. add up to a lot of really huge um, experiences in life and a lot of, they're just very nuanced. Um yes. And so, yeah, so I think all of that has helped me a lot throughout the years. But growing up, I mean, it was it was a total mess. It was just like a shit show. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs) I like had such a hard time. I mean, now it's so funny because my friends, you know, know me as the person who has so many friends and whatever. But like I joke with my mom. Like, I think she still has PTSD because I didn't have any friends growing up. Mm -hmm. So anytime I hang out with a friend now, she's like, oh, that's good that you have a friend. I'm like, mom, I have so many friends. And she's like, no, but it's really, that's nice that you have a friend to go to. I'm like. Oh, my God, Mom. Like, seriously? <laughs> she just, yeah, she just doesn't, She you know, I feel bad. Like, I think I traumatized her Aww. with the amount of drama that I had as a kid. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and honestly, it wasn't even just as a kid. It was, like, up until, like, my mid-30s, I mm-hmm. feel like. I mean, I, I just feel like in your 30s, I, I think people really don't talk enough about how much cleaning house you have to do. Mm. Um, Like, I just feel like, I don't know, things that you used to tolerate or think were okay or the ways that you used to sort of um, compromise, Mm -hmm. you know, of like what you really wanted and what you really feel like in your 20s, Yeah, it sort of spills over into your 30s. And then by the Mm -hmm. time you're in your like mid-early 30s, you're like, what have I been doing? This is awful. Like, this is awful. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then you have to spend a couple of years cleaning that up. So mm-hmm. that's kind of, I think people don't, don't realize, you know, the thirties, I don't think are traumatizing in the same way as your twenties can be. But, um, I think it's just different. It's like yeah. you're shape-shifting, you know, yeah. you're just totally morphing into this new version of yourself. So yes. considering I turned 40 like a week ago. I'm probably,
0: you know, I'm pretty fresh off
1: the 30 <laughs> train, but, um. But, yeah, that's kind of what I see, you know, looking
0: back at it for no. sure. Yes, and happy belated birthday, by the way. Like, I know – I, no, I, gosh, you. I remember turning 40 and, uh, yeah, it was – I was strangely excited about it um, because I think I was just mm-hmm. ready for this new phase. And yeah, welcome to the forties. I spend my favorite uh, decade yet. So <laughs> I, still oh, got, I still got That's a couple of years to go, but yeah, I think it is like just that period of time where you're really like sinking into yourself. And like you said, that cleaning house piece. Um, yeah. And getting clear on maybe your boundaries and what feels good to you and what doesn't feel good. And you're tired of dealing with. Um, yeah. Like, I would love to actually just talk a little bit about how you learned to communicate your needs and your boundaries, like, um, you know, just within your relationships or within your work. Um, because I think that is such an essential piece and yeah. Can you talk a little bit about boundaries for us?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, to be honest, like I really didn't learn much about boundaries until my thirties. Like, I mean, I, I think I learned about them a little bit more with where work is concerned. Um, You know, earlier, like when I started working for myself um, many years ago, I think there was like a natural innate business sense that I had of like, you know, just understanding what I will do and what I won't do kind of thing. I'm not saying it was always perfect, but that came more naturally to me. Got it. Um, And then I also think for my health, I learned pretty early on that, like, if I say yes to one friend because they want me to do something, but I really know, like, I don't want to do that thing or I don't feel good about it or I don't know if my body is going to be okay if I do it. I probably won't survive that, like, especially when I was really sick. It's like doing something for one person Mm. because, they like, I feel bad will potentially take me out for, like, two weeks, you know. And so I I just learned pretty early on, like, in those ways that I was going to have to have more particular boundaries than most people I knew. Mm -hmm. And people who are really close to me know that about me too like they just know like there's certain things like I'm just a no yeah (laughs) you know and then they also know like oh like if you want Nitika to be able to come to this thing like you like the loving thing to do is to like help her understand like if she's going to have food she can eat or like Mm. what's the transportation going to be like is she going to have to walk for a long time or you know things like that that I don't have to explain to friends that I'm really close with anymore Um, but (sighs) You know, I think learning about boundaries, like the deeper boundaries, like when someone crosses your boundary emotionally, or when you feel like you're kind of—I mean, I never even knew what the word gaslit meant mm-hmm. until—I feel like until much, much recently, much yeah. more recently. Yeah. Um. You know, so things like that—that's just me a longer, a longer time. Um. You know, and just understanding that just how there's so many different intricacies to relationships and sometimes it's not obvious when someone's overstepping your boundaries sometimes it's just like a feeling that you get and you're just like something doesn't feel right I don't know what it is or why but something doesn't feel right and I don't I, I need to stop and and think about this or sit with this and that's a practice that took a very, very long time for mm-hmm. me to embrace. Um, but yeah, I think it's like all of that, you yeah. know, kind of has layers to it over time.
0: Yeah. And it's something I think that can be so challenging for us. And that's something I think so many of us are trying to continue to practice. And I, I know um, mm-hmm. that this is something that you have talked about within your community, as well as being an advocate. Um, can you talk a little bit about mm-hmm. like how that ties into the work you do within Chronicon? Like talking about being an advocate for your own health
1: yeah I mean I think you know I didn't advocacy is another thing that Mm -hmm. I and I've said this before in the community that it's something that I thought was very separate from me something that I thought was like oh that's what people do if they're like trying to change laws Mm. or like make policy change or like you know something on the front lines of like the government for some reason I don't know why but that's That's what I thought of when I thought of being an advocate. But I think through the work of, you know, starting Chronicon and talking about my health more and more and also meeting just incredible people out there who are doing, who are also doing incredible work, you know, um, it's just been really clear. Like I'll look at other people and be like, oh, they're an advocate or like they advocate for themselves all the time. But it was something I never really owned within myself. Mm. Um, And I think, you know, as it relates to boundaries, even like advocating for the foods that I need to eat or like, oh, I I can't do that thing because I need to make sure I get a certain amount of sleep so that my immune system doesn't get too stressed out or You know, whatever those things might be, Mm -hmm. um, I'm advocating for myself all day. And I think people with chronic illnesses are as well. I don't think I'm alone in that by any means. Um, And even not just people with chronic illnesses, you know, like there are different groups of people that have needs that are maybe, maybe louder than others, but that doesn't Mm. mean that they're worse or better or more important. Um they're just needs that need to be tended to in maybe a different way, so mm. yeah, I think advocacy is a is a daily journey, um especially when you do have a chronic condition, and I think it's something I've had to really learn how to embrace over time,
0: yeah, and i I love like in all these things, I feel like just take this practice like little by little and over time we get a mm-hmm. bit better you know with each step that we take, but what i this is part of why that community that you've created is so so beautiful I think is because when you're in that community you also know you've got the support of others and other people um, going through it with you and I want to get to that get to give you a chance to talk a little bit more about your community and you shared this really beautiful like email post um, and and a podcast episode as well you have a podcast called Point of Pain um, which is really mm-hmm. great um, so I definitely will link to that too Um and in your in this episode, or in this uh, post, you shared your journey with acceptance, um, which was a the theme of the Chronicon communi- community that month. And I would just love to hear mm-hmm. more about how the concept and the idea of acceptance has impacted your life. And I wonder what role it played in you being able to take the steps towards creating this community.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think one of the biggest misconceptions out there about dealing with chronic illness, I think there's just this feeling that um, you have to, it's actually like a backwards way of answering it, but yeah. what comes up for me when you say that is like, there's just this feeling that mm. you have to think positive thoughts and never, you know, be angry and be you know just totally in acceptance peacefully if you're dealing with something with your health because if you don't do that you will make yourself more sick Mm -hmm. and I I really experienced that in my early 20s when I was just new into the self-help world that I was talking about earlier and I started learning about the secret and I started learning about all these things and I was like, wait, okay, so I have to think perfect thoughts and then my psoriasis will go away. Like I, okay, like, you know, was a naive 20 year old and also I think there's a lot of exploitation that happens yep. around this stuff because you're desperate and you're sick, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, like if this is, if it's this easy and my journey with acceptance really came from realizing that that is not the way. Yeah, like that just could not be further from the way I yeah. was constantly trying to do that I was I was actually what I feel was like beating myself up with self-help just yes constantly berating myself and saying you should be able to think this way oh my god you thought something negative what's wrong with you mm. what, oh now you're not going to be healthy I mean it's just in. Mm. it's just out, I, I can't even believe it sometimes when I think about the things that I used to say to myself mm. in the name of loving and accepting myself due to self-help. Like yeah. It just doesn't make any, any sense. And so for me, acceptance really came when I acknowledged how angry I was. Uh, love it. <laughs> it really came, yeah, it really came when I acknowledged how much rage I had. Mm-hmm. It really came when I acknowledged how devastated I felt. Yeah. Um, and I think people don't, there aren't enough spaces where that is allowed. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's, yeah, it's really just, it's such a disservice mm-hmm. to so many that we're constantly forced to think that acceptance is this really beautiful, like, you know, peaceful journey <laughs> that you're supposed to embark on and if you don't know how to do it, you're gonna fail. And it's just not it couldn't be further from the case. Acceptance is messy and mm-hmm. it's it's complicated. Um, and so yeah, so I, I think, you know, that's been my journey with acceptance, I I almost feel like I'm on a journey of acceptance every single day. Like, you know, today I'm like feeling low energy today. And I was like, I have to, it's like up to me to like, accept that this is how I feel today. Mm -hmm. And I have things that I had on my plate that I was going to do and I'm not doing them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just Mm -hmm. like, okay, like I, I could berate myself and I could, totally just like annihilate myself for mm-hmm. that and I could do all these things or I could show up fully for the few things that I'm gonna do yeah. and then forgive myself for the rest. Yeah. You know, and that's but it's a journey every single day. It's a journey every single day that I wake up and I'm like, how do I feel today? Okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like this today. Okay. We're gonna work with that. Yeah. We're gonna just see this is where we're at. Um, you know, and it's yeah, it can feel incredibly complicated, um, but yeah.
0: yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing that, and like, thank you for being here on a low energy day with me. I, I, I really appreciate oh, no, it's my pleasure. <laughs> but I, I really appreciate you like being just honest about your feelings because, oh, that's something that I am just like passionate about because I do think like the wellness world in particular, um, and the self help world, it's just we try to make everything look so pretty and like, it's supposed to be this like smooth journey. And like, I was totally picturing like this tug of war happening in my head when you're talking about acceptance, because things Mm -hmm. are messy. And I think if we can, um, the sooner we're able to accept the messiness and let ourselves be comfortable and drop into the messiness, and that's not easy. And that's like an everyday kind of practice thing, but, um, Mm -hmm. there's like a freedom in being able to do that, you know? Um, and, I do think we get these false like narratives about and then we like we turn it on ourselves like oh if you just were thinking positive Mm -hmm. enough if you were just doing this enough if you just worked out every single day life would be amazing and you know we have these kind of you know false narratives so i i think that's why i was drawn to your your group and your community um just for the realness like i just crave (laughs) authenticity Mm -hmm. and people being real because um, that's where I think the deepest connections happen. And when we're in connection with others and have these relationships, um, that can be so healing too. So I love that you're you're creating this space for people. So thank you for your honesty with all that, Nitika. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for saying that. And I think, you know, what comes up for me when you say that is like, it's real, but what we have boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that's I think that that's something I'm also learning that's the difference because a lot of times people come to the community and come to Chronicon and say that they've been in other communities and they felt like it was so depressing and it was so like trauma dumping and just, yeah, just sad and like Mm -hmm. so much focus on like, oh my God, this is so awful or I had this horrible reaction or I had this and that. And it's not that we don't have for like someone this weekend posted like I'm having a shit time this mm-hmm. person, this doctor gave me this horrible news and I was flying to this trip that I was super excited about you know and just sharing her her truth mm-hmm. and but she did it in such a loving way yeah. right it wasn't mm-hmm. like she didn't smear crap all over the community <laughs> she was like you guys are so strong like anyone got some pearls of wisdom like I'm Mm -hmm. open like you know it was like super sweet and then she had a flood of comments of people just being like yes girl we have been there this flows we we love you you're doing great like so glad you took time to like feel your feelings
0: yeah you know
1: we believe in you like you know what I mean so absolutely it's, it's both and I think that's been a huge learning experience for me too of like a lot of communities are the real, but they're real without boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that just leads to trauma dumping right. and leads to a lot of oversharing that actually creates a really negative environment, which is not what we
0: want. Right. And there's like that negative cycle that happens with that, like just the dumping. Mm-hmm. But you've created, like, yeah, you've created this very supportive Um, positive space and can you just kind of tell everyone what it looks like within the chronicon community like if someone was to step in there um what would they experience what would it look like for them
1: yeah um well it's a monthly membership and basically you sign up and you get access to the entire community when you sign up and We also do offer sliding scale scholarships for people that are not able to afford it if they're on disability or they um, are unable to pay due to high medical expenses. Um, But it is just $25 a month, so I've made it like less than a dollar a day. And basically, I mean, I don't even, sometimes I'm like, what do I say about it? It is (laughs) my child. I don't even know how to describe it. It is just, Um, it's a place of joy Mm. and it's really a place that where people really get what it's like to live with a chronic illness. Also people in there, there's some people in there that are allies to the community. There are people in there that, you know, love someone with a chronic illness or there are different like coaches in there that are just excited to be in this group because Mm -hmm. we have a lot of the same ethos and they treat Mm -hmm. people or support people with chronic illnesses. Um, You know, and you get workshops every single week. Like, I have a workshop for Chronicon in a little bit, like the Community Office Hours workshop today. Yeah. Um, And you meet just, like, the sweetest, kindest people. Sometimes I, like, pinch myself Mm. because I'm just, like, I cannot believe how kind everybody is, how loving everyone is. Yeah. There really is this feeling like you, like, we all know each other because we all know what it's like to live with the thing that we're all dealing with, and Mm -hmm. usually, no one that we're around knows what it's like to live with the thing that we're dealing with, you know? Yeah, So there's like this great equalizer feeling as soon as you step into the community. And um, yeah. And and we just had a beautiful workshop on Friday that was all about the radical road to self-acceptance. And we had like speakers like Ruthie Lindsay and Ryan Weiss and we had a musician and a meditation in the beginning. And it just, it's like, we do those larger workshops once a month and then every week we have one or two workshops um, that are a little smaller and ways to connect with your community. We had a workshop on boundaries recently. Like we're just trying to give y'all like the most loving, supportive content that's like also fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that's (laughs) what it is like in terms of avoiding like the trauma dumping or whatever, however you described that earlier, okay. it's just like creating these supports and conversations about advocacy or compassion. You know, I, I always refer to boundaries as compassionate boundaries, but because I find them so compassionate, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like boundaries and just, yeah, communicating your needs and all of that. And I think that's really kind of frames the community. So I, I love I love the work you're doing there. And I think it's really beautiful. And I know this membership in this community means so much to you. Um, And, like, I wonder, like, how are you keeping your cup full right now? How are you caring for yourself in ways that, that feel good and um, that are energizing to you right now? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I
1: think I've embraced naps this year, which, like, <laughs> which, like doesn't maybe seem like a big deal for some people. They no. might be like, yeah, I've been napping my whole <laughs> life. But. I don't know for whatever reason I I'm a I'm an Aries, I'm a New Yorker, I'm also a generator if you know anything about human design. Okay, yeah. Like I'm just like go 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 yeah. uh, energetically and so and I typically tend to like have a little bit of trouble sleeping if I take a nap, so I I don't yeah. always do that cuz then I'll won't sleep as well at night. But this past year I have just been like, "Oh my god, I think I need a nap." And <laughs> <laughs> just curl up on my bed and take a nap, Mm -hmm. like an hour, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been good about not overdoing it, but I definitely have really needed rest in a different way this year. Um, I didn't need that in the same way before, but yeah, even though I'm sitting at home all day Mm because of the pandemic, like I would think that I wouldn't really need that, but I have, I've needed to sort of power down Um, and I think like not be on the TV, computer, phone, whatever it is. Um, and napping seems to be (laughs) the only way that I make that happen. Um, and I do like little things for myself. Like I used to get facials, like living here in New York city, that's like such a fun thing to do. But with the pandemic, I bought myself like a little steamer and like, I give myself a little facials. Um, that for sounds fine nice. <laughs> I, I really I just like like it. I like products and stuff. it just makes me feel like yeah. creative and happy. yeah um, so I do stuff like that and then you know definitely a lot of like hanging out with friends virtually as much as I can for sure. yeah so.
0: Yeah, love that. I love the yeah. napping. I am like I struggle with napping too, but I, <laughs> I want to try
1: to embrace oh, more yeah. naps in I my life. I fully embraced it. <laughs> I love that. I fully embraced it. I took a nap earlier today. I'm oh, like, Who are you? That's great. Like I just needed it. I just yeah. needed it. I was just like, oh my goodness, this is happening. Yeah. Okay. Well, and it, like you're paying. It... Had the weekend. But...
0: <laughs> no, but you're paying attention to your body and honoring it. Like I think that's. I think that's really beautiful, so (laughs) that's great. Um, Yeah,
1: it feels like the kind thing to do. I guess that's, like, where I go with it. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's what the kind thing would be to do right now. I could just be like, get up, Chopra, keep going, (laughs) which, like, a big part of me wants to do, and I do sometimes do that. But I think, yeah, I think I've just kind of softened into the occasional nap.
0: Yeah, I love it. I I love it. There we go. I know we've talked (laughs) a lot about chronic illness today, but I would love to learn a little bit about Nitika and the things that you're, like, learning, discovering, or interested in right now. And, like, what's making you want to dig deeper and and discover and and learn more about? Or or do you have time for that currently? I don't know.
1: (laughs) I'm like, what do I want to – I don't know. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I – I am in the process of planning to move, um, which Mm. is random, but it's, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've lived in my apartment in the Upper West Side of New York for nine years, and that's a very long time in New York world, especially, and um, I've been wanting to move to the water in Brooklyn for a long time, and so I decided I'm going to do that in June. So Exciting. between Chronicon and then, like, my mental space of, like, trying to figure out, like, what do I need and how do I do this? And that we own the apartment that I'm in right now, so I need to, like, rent it out. Yeah. So I'm just in, like, that period, which I think I think we're about to be in Taurus or we're in Taurus right ah. now. So apparently that's a very Taurus thing to be focusing on. Oh. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about... I'm an Aries, so I only know about my own sign, which is very characteristic of Aries. (laughs) Um, So, um, but yeah, but apparently I read my horoscope and that's what it says. So I was like, okay. Going with it. Um, So I'm going with it. So yeah, so I I think, you know, I think that... I think honestly, as cheesy as it may sound, my self-love practices Mm. are just... They're just so important to me and especially um during this heightened intense time that we're in and i think in the beginning of the pandemic i was like i'm gonna learn spanish and i'm gonna (laughs) do all these things and i'm gonna bake all the banana bread and i'm gonna do i mean i if i never look at a pan again (laughs) i just i'm just i've hit that space in the pandemic where i'm just like okay I need a bit of a a bit of a wind down, recharge, do nothing yes. um, to gear up for for this move and, and things like that. So yeah, it's kind of a boring answer. But No. That's I, the truth. My work fuels me and then yeah. self love all yeah.
0: day. I love that. I, I well because it's, it's honest. It's I, I think it's a great answer yeah. because sometimes it's just kind of sinking in, like, you know, like sinking into where you're at yeah. and that self love practice and the naps and the steamer for your face and just like that self love and kindness to you cuz even when you said earlier like you know get up chopra whatever like get moving like i mm-hmm. we we know those voices like i have I didn't even call her an inner critic. I call her like my inner drill sergeant because, like, you know, she can be yeah, <laughs> pretty yeah. intense and demanding. Exactly. And, and mine so, is my inner immigrant parent. Yeah. That's, what, that's what mine <laughs> well, is. Yeah. And mine is. That does, is no joke. Mine might have an Irish accent as well. So I kind of understand. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And, so, and so it's like. That That kind of get up and go, and I think kind of being like you're there, I see you, but like embracing the loving and that I don't know cheerleader inner like soother within us as well, I think is so important, mm-hmm. so I love that you shared that that's something you're kind of sinking into right now, especially when you're in this space where you have this community you created, I believe it's six months in right now, and um, it's just, mm-hmm. it's really, uh, really just going so well, or from my perspective, it's something that's a really a beautiful space. And can you tell everyone where they can find more about that and more about you?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so you can go to the and that has all the information about how to sign up for, for the community. And yeah, our Instagram is chroniconofficial. And my Instagram is tagged on there as well at Nitika Chopra. So Wonderful. those are also great places to find out about us too.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Nitika. This was just such a pleasure to get to talk to you. And I have been a part of that of the community as an ally um, for a, you know a couple of weeks now. And it's just it's been so neat to get yeah. to see inside the space and um, get to see it in action. Um, it's something I've been recommending to friends and sharing with others um because i think it's just a beautiful space um and you lead it with just such love and empathy so um yeah yeah so thank you for sharing more about that and for sharing more about your story today with us i i so appreciate it
1: yeah and thank you for sharing it with others that like means so much to me so
0: i really appreciate that and i'm so glad that you joined us thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Nitika. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I really appreciate that she was so open about how all of this has been a journey. It's a process and it can be messy and it can be beautiful all at the same time. And I just find that so refreshing because it just acknowledges the realities of life. And I I personally find that so grounding. And I think it takes practice to be able to get to that point, like constant regular day-to-day, hour-to-hour practice. And in my opinion, you know, that's where their inner work really is. And I'm always just drawn to people who are like that, especially in the wellness space. You know, people who are practicing showing up in ways that are loving and compassionate and supportive, and who have a comfort level with the messiness and the realities of life. As Brene Brown says, we cannot selectively numb emotions when we numb the painful emotions we also numb the positive emotions. So I know I personally find there can be so much joy and love and authenticity that comes through people who are able to be in the mess, who are not numbing those difficult, challenging emotions. And if you know someone or you are someone who has a chronic illness, or if you're someone like me who wants to be an ally and support those in her life and her work who have a chronic illness, I would love to encourage you to check out Chronicon. Nitika offers new members a free week so you can dip your toe in and see what it's all about. You can feel her heart in everything she does and the community members are so supportive and amazing in their own right. It's really beautiful to see. You can find more information about Chronicon and Nitika in the show notes on my website at maureenryan.co. And I'd love to hear from you. What did you find yourself thinking about and reflecting on after listening to this episode? Please share on my website, maureenryan.co or on my Instagram page, maureen underscore ryan underscore. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Becoming Aligned newsletter. It's an email that I send out every other Sunday and is crafted with love and includes inspiration, restorative care, and an invitation to journal. I hope it will help you hit pause and allow you to feel centered and grounded as you prepare for the week ahead. Thanks again for listening, wishing you all the best, and sending love. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Becoming Aligned. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Becoming Aligned and rate and review this podcast. I'm Maureen Ryan, and I hope you'll join us next time. Take care.